0: Come, on, come on. Hey there, I didn't notice. see you're listening to the Noah Davis WatchCast. I'm your host, Noah Davis. I'm tired of my other intro where I go hello, hello, hello on my other podcast, so I try to start off a little different every time. This is where I talk about everything I watch this week, you know? That's kind of what I do. It's my lifeblood. It's what keeps me alive and young, youthful, refreshed. Wrinkles? Nope. I just watch TV. Let's start with the short things and go to the longer thing. Secret Invasion. I watched the first pilot, whatever episode of Secret Invasion. I don't know, guys. It's fine. It's a TV. It's TV. It's nothing crazy. It feels very Marvel-like already. And if you know me or know of what I like, you know that when Marvel goes Marvel, it gets boring for me. I appreciate She-Hulk a lot because it was a comedy and it wasn't Marvel. I appreciate Werewolf at Night because it was a comedy or <laughs> not because, because it was different and black and white and a campy horror because it was cool. I appreciate the first half of WandaVision because it was a sitcom and then it got all marvel and got all dumb and I quit caring about WandaVision and I really like Loki because that does not feel Marvel at all. So case in point, I love when Marvel does non-Marvel things and this show is very Marvel. It feels as though it's Nick Fury the show which sort of makes sense but I'm getting a more Falcon and Winter Soldier vibe than I'm getting a Loki or WandaVision vibe. And, I, you know, I, it's the first episode, so I don't have a ton to talk about other than huge spoilers that I don't really care about. Someone died, and it's whatever. You know, she didn't... Oh, <laughs> spoiler. They didn't uh, get a ton of screen time anyways. They didn't get really any character development other than just being a static figure. So their death is just, eh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, okay. I'm sure they'll be back or something. I'm sure they'll get rezzed. I'm sure they'll make an appearance somewhere down the line with the timeline shit now. Who cares? Death doesn't mean anything. It's, it's as though the MCU has become the Marvel Comics. Death Or, you know, any comics. Death does not mean a thing. It is not the end for any character whatsoever. So I wouldn't be surprised if that character's back someday, somehow, maybe even in this same show. It's, you know, I'll watch it. I'll watch it and keep you guys updated, but I don't know if I'm going to watch it episode to episode with how this first one was just nothing to latch onto or sink my teeth into really. So, eh, you know, moving on. Ghostbusters Afterlife. I talked about it last week, but I finished it. So I do want to preface my review with, I hate when I take extended breaks between movies, you know, like first half of a movie and second half of a movie or whatever, I hate that, so this review is going to be a little skewed. Keep that in mind. I thought it was fine and good. It It was a fun ride. It clearly loved the source material and is an ode to that. It does not get boring in any way, shape, or form. It doesn't really slow down. It's constantly going, and I enjoy a movie that just has a motion to it, and it has a flow and a pacing that you don't even realize because it's just boom, 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 you know? You... It's not that you don't have time to think, it's that you don't really care to think because you're already on to the next scene. And, yeah, uh, it, it's a it's a fun romp. It's nothing crazy. I wouldn't say it's the best movie ever. It's not better than Ghostbusters 1, but it's better, well, I have a nostalgia, nostalgia for Ghostbusters 2. It is better than Ghostbusters 2, just purely movie-wise. Maybe not nostalgia and you know the original cast and crew being there but it is a better movie it's it's fun and it's a little bogged down by its by the history of itself of its universe because it's doing the thing where a reboot should be some sort of meta sequel to the thing so the ghostbusters were real in this timeline and that makes sense i get all that but now ghosts aren't real because no one's seen a ghost in 40 years. So nobody cares and nobody believes this little girl who thinks he's crazy, but there was already a proven ghost story. So it's just, it's odd that everyone in the town thinks he's crazy when they're ghosts, when they're actual ghosts, you know, it's, it's weird, whatever. That's just a plot thing. Not really a complaint. I will say it's kind of odd. They have a cameo for a certain dead guy, and he makes no sound whatsoever. The CG face is there. The composite's there, but it's, it looks strange. And I don't know... Yeah, I don't know why they couldn't get archival audio, at least. You know, something. But, you know, I, if, I, if I sign off my face, or my daughter or son signs off my face in a movie just sign off my voice for a little bit, you know, just for one movie. It's nothing crazy. I, 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 It's just weird that there was, you see this cameo and he's in it like the last five minutes. He's not, it's not just a quick one second thing. He's in it for a while and he just doesn't say a word. He just looks and then he looks and then he looks and then doesn't say a word. And it's just, it's odd. It comes out of nowhere. There are other cameos of course, but those sort of make sense for the plot. That one Yes, it made sense for the plot, it just didn't make sense itself. The actual cameo, you know, of him. But, good movie. Solid movie. Fun. Family friendly, you know, so that's always a solid. You don't have to worry about, oh, it's too mature, it's too light for adults or something. I think this is, I think it was fun for all ages. There were a couple things, but nothing nothing crazy enough for me to even write down, you know. Totally fine movie, not bad at all. Moving on. To maybe a bad movie. The Flash. DC Universe's most recent cinematic outing. That is bad. This movie is not good. (laughs) I'll, I'll just start my review off with there. You know it is not. I don't think I'll ever want to watch this movie again. Ever. It's not it wasn't offensively bad. It was just very incredibly mediocre. And, you know, I think I've already said this before. I appreciate the artist. I hate the art. And Andy Mus- Muschietti, Muschietti, mischetti I, you know, I really need to write these names down for the directors. I don't know. It's it's kind of like you just don't think about it until you need it. So, and I just hate pausing and looking up. I don't want to do that to you guys. So, whatever. I don't want to pretend I know more. So, and, you know, with this being a scriptless thing, I just kind of off the cuff. I just want to talk, you know, Cormac McCarthy style of talking. <laughs> Semicolons are for morons or whatever he said. So, let's just, let's just start this off. That first hour was really rough. It felt sluggish. It felt disjointed. And it's about the Flash, you know? I am firmly on the side of a movie's pacing or a movie's internal parts should reflect that of its protagonist or that of its theme or that of its plot. This movie is about the flash and it never feels like it's quick and never how I just talked about Ghostbusters Afterlife feeling quick. This does not feel that way. This feels as though you are waiting for the next scene to just be over so you can go to the next scene. Because the first 20 minutes, the Flash talks to himself more than a student film about mental health. He constantly talks to himself. And it's so weird because you go in any screenwriting group or go to any group or go to those people that, you know, they, they they're oh, I got three 10s on Blacklist and I'm a produced guy because I wrote that one episode of a show. They will tell you internal monologue over and over and voiceover is kind of lazy and redundant and played out. Yet, here we are, this $200 million movie that is bombing hard. The Flash is talking to himself nonstop, constantly. And then it finally makes sense because he starts talking to himself because it's a different alternate him, whatever, plot don't care the talking to himself was annoying it's a terrible way to do any exposition i think what's the rule sing not talking or doing not speaking in movies and screenplays this was the reverse of that almost the exact opposite of that and it's odd that it's odd it's just odd that it went against most things that you would be told not to do and then people don't like it so it's like are who's surprised here Who's surprised the guy that okayed the script that had all the amateur sounding dialogue or, or the audiences who don't like the movie, you know, (laughs) it's, it's weird. And then this guy's got the Batman movie. So I, that's something else, but back to the movie at hand, the movie is not dark enough to have, Oh, you and your drinking buddies come along and enjoy it. The movie is not light enough to have, Oh, I have a seven year old nephew who likes the flash. It is not light enough for that. I I promise you. Even though it's the Flash and even though it's a superhero movie, it's not light enough for that. It felt half baked in both those regards. Is that an adventure romp? Is it sort of just a a cool action reboot sequel thing? Is it you know? Is it a family movie? It's neither of these things. Yet it tries to be all of these things. The movie has an obsession with the words shit and dick all the time. I mean, just constantly, to the point. Or my brain picked it up, you know? It's one thing. I don't know if you can say one word that many times. Just any one word that many times without someone who is weird or someone like me who just gets annoyed that you're just using the same phrase over and over and over and over again constantly. Like, he literally, they just say shit and dick all the time. And it's like, bro, this movie is not dark enough or cool enough To have, oh man, remember when they were saying shit and dick? That was hilarious. Like, no, nope, nope. Wasn't funny at all. It actually made me uncomfortable because the only people in the theater were with me were a mom and her young son and a grandma and her young grandson. And so I'm just sitting there being like, wait. The majority of the audience right now is kids and families. And this movie is obsessed with shit, dick. It's got light gore for some reason, and even the gore scene that it should have been a little more gore, it kinda cheaps out on. And that's when the Flash tries to recreate. Whatever. He tries to recreate Batman helps him. He tries to recreate the uh, lightning strike. That is that should have been crazy looking. And instead it's just it's okay looking. It's like, oh okay, he's electrocuted and a little bloody. Whoa. But yeah, this is all added to just so I guess I'm done with the talking about the pacing. I I guess. I don't know. But the first hour is filled with bad CG, and I hated his costume. <laughs> I know we're getting to the nitpick, but I hate that costume. It looks bad. It doesn't really look like the Flash. It's it's odd how offensive the costume was to me, because even Jason Momoa's Aquaman costume somehow looked better, and I really didn't like the look of it. Henry Cavill Superman, I don't really like the look of that outfit, but it looks way better than this does. This is a fake, he's got like a cycling helmet on, and yeah, that's aerodynamic, I get it, cool. But he literally runs a billion miles an hour, he doesn't need aerodynamics to help him. He's got the speed force, which is a problem that this movie goes into. It adds layers of realism to a thing called the speed force. Can we talk about that for a second? It's not just normal comics. Oh, we're going to explain this with this. No, this movie counteracts explanations. Being like, oh, you can't do that because of the Speed Force. And it's so weird. It's so weird that they have this odd obsession with poking holes in Speed Force and other things. Instead of just letting a movie be a movie and letting comic book events just be comic book events and yeah it's just it's incredibly odd and this is on top of all of this I think I've already said this is on top of so all of this is on top of the fact that you have needed to watch 20 fucking movies to enjoy this movie there are so many references to so many things okay Michael Keaton was spoiled so you need to watch Batman 89 he does he literally does multiple gags and multiple direct quotes from batman 89 so for the people who are like oh you don't need to see batman 89 you won't enjoy this batman there's no reason for you to enjoy this batman other than having seen 89 and it referencing 89 as the same music as 89 he used the same dialogue as 89 he used the same ship as 89 he used the same suit as 89 you have had to have seen 89 one to get the Batman. Then you need to know the Snyderverse a bit because you'll know about the whole General Zod thing. General Zod, yes, it, it's explained in these 2.3 seconds with, oh, he wants to kill Superman. I get that, that you address that in the script, but it doesn't change the fact that these people who don't give a fuck about Kryptonian drama or politics aren't going to give a fuck about General Zod in this new timeline attacking Earth. You know, if you have not seen. If you have not seen Man of Steel This whole event The whole climax Or it's almost the climax Just makes zero sense to you There's no reason to care about it And then at the end Spoilers, I'm going to spoil this movie George Clooney shows up as Batman So you would have had to see Batman Forever or, Or is that Batman and Robin? Whatever You would have needed to see one of those movies To understand George Clooney as Batman You know, like it's crazy that we have all of these references to the Snyder verse and the Snyderverse wasn't great, bro. Like there's Ben Affleck's back. Wonder woman's back. Everything's back. It's just, it doesn't land at all because the Snyderverse was never this great encompassing universe that anybody cared about. It was these series of films that happened to be connected. And then you had to rewatch one of the movies because Snyder didn't make the movie. So you're like, wait, is that the Canon one? Or is that the Canon one? And then by the end of it, you don't care. You don't care. And then, this movie tops it all off by making you care even less because that timeline's done because George Clooney's Batman, but then Aquaman's in the after credits. So is he back in the normal timeline? Who gives a fuck? Because this movie doesn't do anything to reboot or restart or sequelize or it's not a stepping off point and it's not an end cap. It's a terrible, terrible way to cap off something. It's it's like you put a cork in the bottle, but there's a hole in the bottom of the bottle, you know? There's just, you're not doing anything. You just, you just put a cork on the bottle and you're like, ah, that's done. And yeah, so I guess Snyder versus done. I don't know. It is, I think this movie is an absolute mess. I sat there thinking, man, I was, wish I was watching flashpoint paradox, the animated adaptation of flashpoint instead of this the entire time I was Just thinking to myself, oh, wait, Flashpoint Paradox did this better. Oh, Flashpoint Paradox did this better. And why I compare it to Flashpoint Paradox and not actually Flashpoint is because Flashpoint Paradox is adapting maybe 40 issues. I mean, yes, it's a five issue thing, but it's adapting from a 40 issue crossover event and it provides any and all context you need. In this hour and like 20-minute movie, this animated movie, you get all the context of this huge 60-issue crossover thing, and you get these crazy timelines and these cool things. You see a lot of cool shit that they could have done. Listen, if they got some of the things they did in this movie, they could have done a Flashpoint Paradox adaptation. that would have been fantastic. But instead, we get this movie, where the context is not really explained that well. It doesn't really... It doesn't do anything to the existing Flashpoint storyline other than kind of ruin it. It it undermines Zoom and eobord Thrawn. It just... And then, like, adds a fake Savitar character who's more like the retcon rebooted Savitar, the Flash TV show. This movie is more accurate to the movies and the Flash TV show than it is to the Flash. Because Barry Allen is not Barry Allen to start off with. The whole... I don't know. His parents, that's a weird thing, too. I'm not even going to talk about that. That's just, that came out of nowhere. I don't know. You know, not even a a thing. Not even a thing. Who cares? But that came out of absolute nowhere. I will say the only, maybe not the only, but the best scene in this movie was when he's talking to his mom at the end. And that is, like, the only emotion I got from this movie, that I felt something in my soul. I felt that. Because, you know, all the other times I'm trying to feel something, there's this Beowulf 2023 CG going on. And there are cameos to movies you've seen or haven't seen. And there are cameos to movies that don't exist. Spoilers, again, they have a CG cameo of Nick Cage as Superman. Superman. Fighting a Thanagarian land crawler. And it's not like a two-second thing. If it was a two-second thing, I wouldn't have talked about it. I wouldn't have cared. I would have actually thought it was cool. But instead, it's this big thing, this 20-second big it makes the camera pan on him into this universe, this version of Superman. And that's so frustrating because the scene is presented to the audience as if it is just a thing, you know. That is a thing you should know. Nick Cage is Superman. Why? You know, there's no real reason other than having known the background of the Tim Burton produced or directed Superman movie that Kevin Smith wrote about Nick Cage fighting Thanagarian land spiders or whatever they called. it's, It's crazy to me. That we have this not just half-second cameo. I would have totally understood that. You know, those those like shadows in Spider-Man No Way Home of the Rhino and stuff. That was awesome. Those that's cool cameos. This forces you into the cameo in a weird way. And it's not like Stan Lee, where it's just like, oh yeah, the creator gets a part, and it's not even. So again. The Stan Lee thing, he's not even playing Stan Lee, so you don't have to know who Stan Lee is to get that cameo because he's just playing a character, whereas Nick Cage is playing a specific character who has a specific history with this universe, and you have to know that to even care about that reference. So, I, I don't know, guys. This is, this movie's kind of a huge, giant mess, and they replaced my boy Billy Crudup, bro. What's that about? Billy Crudup is a fantastic actor, probably too good for this. Too good for this movie. He was too good for Flash's dad, in Justice League, he's too good for most things, and I bet you he was just over the superhero thing because he killed it as Doctor Manhattan, absolutely nailed it. People don't give him credit for that just because the movie. But I don't know why they replaced him with that guy from The Things. And if I actually cared enough about this movie, I'd tell you who that guy is. But he's he's the guy. You'll see you'd see him, and you'll be like, oh yeah, that guy. Uh, yeah, that's the movie. I loved Michael Keaton as Batman and I loved The Flash's mom. Other than that, bad. Just, if I had to give this a score, this is a 5, five, five. Now someone, as, as someone who's watched all the Snyder things and understood the references, might be a 6. Might be. But I just can't help myself being perplexed by the choices that were made in this production. So yeah, Flash. And I don't, I think I watched something else, but it's not important enough to write it down, apparently. So that is this episode of the Noah Davis WatchCast. I will see you next week, like always. Peace, guys.